Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Blog Talk Radio fans. Welcome to our broadcast today. You're going to be going live here in just a minute. We're going to be on Facebook. And we're going to be under Xavier on YouTube. And we're going to be under Kevin Hauger on YouTube. And so we'll be right with you. Let's go live now. Create a broadcast. Yeah, this is a whole system. Um, I could I could show you what we do. So the microphone is working really good. There's everybody. There we go. So now it's live, and it should just catch. Over here. Oh, you're fine. How's that catching you? Yeah, you're good. And if you need to move that over a little bit, I can scoot that over to you. You need it right there. Okay, we're doing good. Yeah. Never, never follow through that. Fall from the sky. That was all in the sky. Sherry gets metal in the sky. Sherry gets metal in the sky. Sherry gets metal in the <laughs> I'm picking on this. So we're ready to go and you're ready to go. You're going all over the world, so. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Jesus is unstoppable. I love that. Anyway, put on there. All the passion is all number. Is Brother Bobby? Is Jimmy? 
to Sister Kim, Sister Jen, Sister Jen, and we are the Holy Ghost to the Tabernacle of God. Oh boy. Oh boy. We're getting to have too much fun. That is good. So, I don't know. She was in the car. She had a fever just now. She was kind of knocked out with a fever. So, they're coming at us some rough stuff. Good. Don't worry, I have to speak. So he went back to check out, so they are coming back. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. You know, I took all that time to polish my shoes before I came. Yeah, and you walked across the field. And these are dusty. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Such every person. 
where we need to be strengthened, encouraged. Yes. Father, we need your help. Father, we lift up this great country that you gave us to live. The United States. Father, she is your fallen. She's fallen greatly. We ask, Lord, that you would forgive her of her sins, cleanse her, yes. and bring her back into righteousness, love, and mercy and grace. Father, pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out your spirit on all flesh. By and through the power of your Holy Spirit, prayer come back to you. So, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Anoint everyone speaking today. Anoint them. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. We thank you, Father, for the healing that has already taken place. You're always at work. We thank you. So come, Holy Spirit, move. Praise and worship. As upon those who are speaking. We ask these things in Jesus' name. I just want to speak the name
whether it be it's just because us lowlanders aren't used to this altitude, or that the Spirit of God has chosen this time to move me through His spoken word, through the faith of His children, through the very vibrations of your voices, the atmosphere has changed. The atmosphere is changed. Here's in heaven. I'm sorry. The spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. Let the spirit of the Lord. Yeah. 
free. Set her free, Father. Set her free from the pain. Set her free from the agony. Set her free from the torment, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. <coughs> Set her free from the torment. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill the room where she is right now. Cover her with your presence. Cover her with your healing power. Give her encouragement, Father. Give her encouragement, strengthen her, give her joy, Father. Let that joy flow out of her. Your joy, Father, your peace, Father. Let the peace of all understanding come upon her.
you can change it. You can change it. If we ask you to change it. He thinks he's okay with you, Father. I don't even believe he does. We bind up this deception in the power of the name of Jesus. Reveal yourself to Jesus. Reveal yourself to Jesus. Bring healing to his soul. Thank you. 
works from the inside of God. And he makes all things new. He is a God of restoration. And he will restore what the locusts have eaten. Yeah. He will do it. Yeah. And it all begins with the cross. So we kneel before you, Father. We kneel before you, Son. We kneel before you, Father. And we bow our knees before you. We look up to the King, crucified. Have mercy on my soul, O God. Forgive me for what I've done. I don't want to run any longer. Lord Jesus, we bow. We kneel before you. We have nowhere else to turn. We have nowhere else to run. There's no other name to call upon.
Well, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. (laughs) Jesus had a lot of hard things to say at different times in his ministry, didn't he? He sat down in one meeting with his disciples and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have nothing to do with me. They said, Lord, this is a hard saying. There are some hard things that are going to be said. But I want to assure you something, that when the Lord said a hard saying, every intention of his heart was for their good. Absolutely. You know, a battery doesn't work unless there's a negative and a positive. And I was told a long time ago by my pastor, the key to your success in your ministry will be balance. Everything must be balanced. Right. And so today we're going to seek for balance Amen. to understand what time it is and what's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Father, I ask for your help this morning. We've already had church, Lord. This is just the gravy. You've already prepared everything. It's already been cooked <laughs> up beautifully. What you're doing is enough. But I thank you for the word. I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for the scriptures that are our meat, our food, our bread, our milk, our wine, our living water. We thank you, Father God, for the living word. And we thank you for the spirit of revelation, wisdom, and knowledge. And Father God, on this earth at this time, all over the world, things are happening. People through different lenses to try to get an interpretation. But Lord, you gave us to look through a biblical lens, so that we look through this biblical lens at the signs of the times and come up with an interpretation of what is truly happening in the world today. And Father, I ask that you would bring us by your spirit into just this place, this realm, where we could sit at your feet and learn from you today. And throughout the rest of the day and this weekend, we thank you, (coughs) Father God, that you have a plan and a purpose for our meeting. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I believe that life is a journey, and I believe that we're all been called to it. And in 1998, I heard the Lord say, Vincent, you are a pioneer. And I went through a whole experience with the Lord for seven years about pioneering, and I I assure you we are pioneering through the days of living now. And we are living in a time of transition, If things are looking a little strange all over the world, it's because things are transitioning all over the world. In heaven and upon earth, it is a time of transition. Much like the days of Israel coming out of Egypt, and it was time for them to go into the wilderness, it was transition time, and it was happening quick. Forty years later, they were ready to cross out of the wilderness into the promised land, and it was a lot of transition going on as well. And there have been many transitions within the kingdom of God. From the days of the beginning of the kingdom of God, the church age that we've been a part of, there have been many, many transitions, restorations, revelations, reformations. All of these things have been constantly at work, and here we are living at the end of 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 the ages. What are we doing here? What is it that Father God wants to say? I want to begin in Psalm chapter 2 and give you a prophetic picture of what is happening in the world today. 
And may the Holy Spirit give us a very joyful journey into the Word. And we walk away going, oh, okay. I can handle that, Lord. I get that. And I want you to know we're going to be in the book of Revelation. And we have two sides of this day. Remember the prophet Isaiah said that the day of the Lord, he said what? It's a day of glorious light and gross darkness. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen within you, is what it really says. So at the same time darkness is getting gross, the glorious light of Christ is beginning to shine even brighter. And we must understand this, that we're on the right side of the day. We're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. We are exactly where God wants us to be, and he's equipping us. He's downloading us. He's thoroughly equipping us for what is ahead of us. And so all of our training up until this moment has been simply that. So let's seek to understand what's going on. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. How many of us are blessed here today? We put our trust in the Lord. Amen. So what is this story all about? What is Psalms all about? It's a time where the kings of the earth are setting themselves and the rulers are taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. How many of you are anointed today? How many of you are members of the body of Christ, the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh? How many of you are the intrinsic body of Christ? We are, right? And we know this. And we have the last 2,000 years, seen a progression of dominion operating in Ecclesia throughout the earth at different times. And now we've come to this moment and everybody's wondering what is happening, and that's what we're going to talk about for just a moment. I want to talk about who the kings of the earth are and what they're doing right now and the rulers of the world are doing right now. They have been around for a long time. The first time we see these kings of the earth goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 11 and see what is in the mind of these kings and rulers of the earth that want to break the bands or the power of God's spirit. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, 
If you're there, say so. Say so. And the Lord, all right, so here it goes, 11.1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Yeah, now, before 21st, that phrase, make us a name, or let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach. You'll notice that's in italics. So they have that, the main that they put in. And what that actually means in the Hebrew is that they were building that would bore into heaven and dethrone the God of heaven. The rebellion in the man was Nimrod at that time had such rebellion against God that he was in the world of that time and saying, let us build into heaven, bore in, and let us pull down this God who just wanted the world. So this is the rebellious nature of the kings of the earth. They've been around, and their whole desire is to build, because they are under a satanic mindset. Their desire is to build a world system apart from God. They do not want God in their new world order. These kings of the earth from the beginning of time, now at that time, God did what? Well, God came down and he saw the tower in the city, uh, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. <laughs> so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babylon. At that moment, when God came and stopped that work, the builders, the kings of the earth, and the rulers of the world did not stop attempting to build. We go to the first empire of the world, Egypt, and there we have another man of sin called a pharaoh. And Egypt is now the one world government. It is the global world power on the earth. And all the people of Egypt are serving under Pharaoh, and all the nations of the earth eventually come there. And yet God broke that empire, and he turned Pharaoh upside down, didn't he? The next great empire we find is the Assyrian Empire. Very cruel empire. Very cruel king. Very cruel people. Israel is a nation. In Egypt, they grew up, they became a full and complete people, a nation. In Assyria, they were a nation. Assyria was conquered by Babylon, the next great kingdom, and King Nebuchadnezzar was the mighty man there. And so they had a man of sin there, and they had a great nation, and they dominated the world, and Israel was a nation. Then came the Medio persian Empire, and the Medes and the Persians gathered together, and they took Babylon. And they were a kinder nation to the Israelite people. And it was Cyrus that was king at that time that let the people go and do some building. 
But at that time, Israel was a nation as well. Then came the Grecian Empire. And Greece had its king, the little guy. What was his name? Who was the king of Greece? You don't know the king of Greece? All right, Lord, Alexander the Great. There we go. All right. So Alexander the Great was the king, and he had four generals. And so here you have the Grecian Empire with its authority, and they're now controlling the world. Israel is a nation, a gathered people. And then came the sixth, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire came with its Caesars. It came with its pomp. It came with its power. It came as an iron kingdom and devoured the whole earth. And then came Yeshua. And then came Jesus. And then came Jesus. Well, the kings of the earth have never stopped building. They have never stopped dreaming of a world, a one world government controlling everything and having power over all the earth. The next time we see them is in the book of Revelation, chapter 6. And I believe the book of Revelation is a book for today. The book of Revelation is an end-time prophecy. Five times in the book of Revelation it's called a prophecy. Revelation 1-3, Revelation 22, 7, 10, 18, and 19. It is called a prophecy. A prophecy is a event. Okay? So here we have, in Revelation chapter 6, it's in the sixth seal, beginning in verse 12. And here's what we read. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the rocks and mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? What is this? What we're witnessing right now, if we look through a biblical lens, is the deconstruction of the present world order that is operating on this earth. Out of World War II, a new world order emerged. The United Nations and the United States of America being a superpower nation. Think about that. And out of that time, throughout time, all this industry, all of this order of things has grown around us. We are now a generation that is witnessing, after a pretty decent order of things, people have prospered within this order, nations have come and died of many wars. I mean, it's been a decent deal, but we are now in something. And what we're witnessing when we look at, and again, I told you some hard things are going to be said, they need to be heard, and so it's the balance to what we're going to talk about later. I mean, when 21 people are shot and killed in Uvalde, 19 children that will never see the light of day again, when 10 black people were killed in Buffalo just a week ago, when 10 people were killed in Parkland, Florida, when 26 were killed at a Baptist church in Texas, 
When 58 were killed in Las Vegas, Nevada at a concert, a country concert, when these things happen along with earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and flooding and earthquakes and fires that are burning all over the country and around the world, these are signs. And they have to be understood as signs. These are signs. I want to tell you this. You know, our, our family here. Because what I'm about to share with you, I think it needs a little background to it. It was on September 3rd, 2001. September 3rd, 2001. I was in Kremlin, Colorado. I was their point man. I used to speak at conferences across the country. And I was on as a point I would go in first, and they said that there was an anointing in my life to pierce in and break it. And so I would go in. September 3rd, in Colorado, and two brothers of mine, Paul and Michael, and I were to meet with LSU, to meet with our brother John, who worked for United Airlines. John worked for United Airlines in a radar ship, and he was a mechanic in the multi-million dollar flight simulators. And so when we got there, we went to meet him, he invited us in, and we all had the distinct pleasure of actually flying in the multi-dollar flight simulators. I remember it was around 1 o'clock in the morning or so. Brother Paul was from the Bay Area, so he got in. He flew his airplane all over that area. Brother Michael was from Hawaii, so he got in there, and he was flying from all over Hawaii. I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey, so I got in, and I flew out of Newark, New Jersey, and I remember around 3 o'clock in the morning, it was my turn, and this thing is so real, it's where they train the pilots. And I took my airplane and I flew over Jersey City from Newark. And I went down to Hoboken. There was the Hudson River. I flew into New York. I went a little north around Central Park. And on September 3rd, 2001, I made a turn and I banked my plane and I headed south. And I was bored and I was tired and I spent hours on the screen. And I took my plane and I flew my plane in Twin Towers on September 3rd, 2001. Eight days later, Two planes hit the Twin Towers. I went before God and I said, what just happened? How is this possible? What's going on? And he said, I've called you and I want you to pay attention to every word that comes out of your mouth, even your little jokes. I want you to listen. I want you to watch. And I want you to pay attention. I'm going to show you things. And that's the beginning of the journey of what we've been doing for 30 some odd years, which is being watchmen, watching and listening. In 2000, I don't remember the exact it was a Friday afternoon, my wife, Patricia, my father-in-law, me, and my daughter, Danielle, they were out. It was Friday, we were in Temecula, California, and I came home, and I'm getting ready for the weekend services, and I love praying in tongues. And I remember walking around the house, worshiping God, praising God, leaning on Father God. Nobody's there. You know how fun that is. You walk around, and you just praise the Lord. And I started praying, God, I'm and this I've never heard of it before, Obama. It took me by surprise, and I went, what does that mean? I opened up my Bible, and sure enough, in the beginning of my concordance, Obama, high place of was not Alabama? I didn't get it. Seven days later, I was having dinner, and Fox News was on, and then by the name of Barack Hussein Obama, who made presidency. I turned around when I heard his name, and I said, he's going to be the next president of the United States. He's going to the high place of idolatry. He's the one. 
Well, I lost a lot more friends on that one. I believed it would ever be. But I was saying it, and I had pastors throughout the country saying to me, we were getting about a million hits a month on our websites. We were out there, and they were saying, bro, that is not it. That is not it. I said, he will be the next president of the United States. And sure enough, he was the next president of the United States. A few months, about 14 months before Joe Biden became president of the United States, I was on an AFM radio station. The Colonel, our Congressman Steve Womack. Steve Womack is in Washington, D.C. I've been to his office. His father is for seven years. That's for him. And then the time came, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw Joe Biden in a blue suit, in a blue tie. He had won the election, but he was down in the and he was very nervous. This was 14 months before the elections ever happened. There were, I think, different candidates on the, on the Democratic Party and the platform. And again, I went out on the airwaves, and I went behind the pulpit, and I said, Joe Biden is going to win the next election. They said, you're crazy. I said, I had a dream. They said, it's not a dream. It was a nightmare. I said, I understand, but he's going to win the election. God showed me so clearly he's going to win this election. And all of a sudden, Joe Biden won the election in a blue suit, in a blue tie, in a very awkward election of scandal and all this stuff. And so God showed me as well. God showed me a day before the Texas shooting in a dream. I had dreamt, I'm only telling you, for not my, my anything here, I'm just telling you what I'm about to say to you. There needs to be background that we're not pulling rabbits out of hats. We're not blowing smoke. We're not making things up. And it's just the reality of where we are right now. So the day before the Texas shooting happened in El Paso, I was dreaming. I was going to get up that Friday morning. I was going to do my podcast. And uh, in my dream, I was sitting at a table in an outdoor mall. It was definitely southwest. It was all that clay-looking stuff in the big, huge mall. My wife, Patricia, was sitting next to me. And there was another man. I didn't know who he was. And there was a window in front of me, big, black-tinted windows. And as we're talking, everything is nice. I saw a flash in that window behind me. And I turned around. Changed. And Patricia was gone. This other man was gone. I was standing in one of those fountain areas that you'll find in a mall with those things going up, people throw quarters in them, whatever. I'm standing there, and then I start hearing gunshots. And people are now screaming, and they're running past me. Now, remember, the gunshots were getting a lot closer, and I put my hands down, and I woke up. And immediately I said, no, I want to go back to sleep. I want to see the end of this. Sure enough, I went back to bed, but now I'm on the East Coast. And something was going on. It, was, it seemed like it was an airport. And, again, active shooter. I woke up. I was shaken. And I was telling Patricia, as I'm getting ready to go your ways, and she said, you're not going to go tell this on radio, are you? And I said, yes, I am. And you need to pray. So she said, honey, be careful. She's been telling me to be careful for years. And uh, so we prayed. I went down for an hour. I talked about active shooters and what you need to do. And I went to all this stuff about active shooters, how to prepare, what to do, and how the government's preparing. Sure enough, that Friday passed. I woke up Saturday morning, headline news. People were shot and killed in El Paso, Texas. Later on that day, on the East Coast, in Dayton, Ohio, the same thing happened. So I've been dreaming these things. I've been seeing these things. God has been unveiling things. And that isn't because I feel any particular anything. I quite frankly don't know what it is, but I know what this is. This has been my food for 40 years. I got born again when I was 19 years old, and this has become my meat. 
I went to 15 different elementary schools. I went to seven different high schools. I never graduated. I was not a good student. I was an athlete, if anything, but not much of that either. But this became my life. And this word of God is what has brought me to understand where we are right now, and I believe it's true. I believe we are in the book of Revelation. And I believe that these things that are happening are happening for a reason. And some things are about to happen. There is a burning ready to hit this earth. A week ago, before I came here, for about 28 days, I've been warning people. For the last 20 days, you've had any one of our podcasts on our ministry, and I was warning them, something's going to break the heart of this nation. That was the last thing I said last Friday. Something's going to break the heart of this nation. They're going to be broken-hearted. There are pangs. There are birth pangs. They are now coming. I went into description what a birth pang was, how when those muscles begin to pull and contract, and that tension comes. And I said, this one is going to break the heart of this nation. Immediately after that, the Buffalo shooting took place. People said, is that it? I said, that's not the first thing I'm talking about. Then Uvalde happened. And I heard everybody saying, our hearts are broken. Is that it? I said, that's not it. There's a birth pain ready to happen that's going to shape this earth. It's going to shape this world. Everything that we know is going to change. Now, when I, and I have to share this with you. I'm honest with you in my heart. I'm all into the prophetic, good, happy, joyful, powerful Lord God Almighty. I live in that. That's my life. I know the power of God. I know what he's done. I know what he's capable of doing. But I also know that when a nation blasphemes him and rebels against him and sheds the innocent blood of over 90 million little babies and does the things that are done in our nation, who promote things that are abominable to God, I know that you cannot expect the blessing. You can't do that. That's not true. So just, just say that we need to pay attention right that. And the hard thing that's coming is I walked around here and it goes out of my mind. Oh, so this is reptile in the place of the mouse. So God's going to say a cat. And it's going to be a really big cat. It's going to be a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. It's going to devour the mice. I get there. I'm prophetic like that. I'm good like that. I get it. I saw a diamond in the rough yesterday. I this place is a diamond in the rough. And there's a lot of rough. And a diamond was pulled out last night. Has been pulled out a long time ago. But getting more shiny all the time. But there are many diamonds here. But it is rough. And I don't know if that... Diamond in the rough is going to shine as brilliant as when the millennium comes or not. Because what I know is going to happen. See, I'm all in. I'm all in. You see, but when people were saying Donald Trump, big prophets, big names, when they were saying Donald Trump was going to win the election, I knew he was going to win the election. This many have repented for what they've done. Our nation is under a spell. Our nation is being deceived. The body of Christ has got to wake up. Yes. We're in a Hebrew year 5782 right now. That year means wake up, and it's late, and it's time to wake up and yeah. stop yeah. looking at life as we always have or thinking that things are. You have come out of where you've been. You're not going back there anymore. America's demise, and I, I stand. I stand with how great our nation is. I stand what it could be, but it has sinned grievously against our father. And the father said to me in 2003, 
Do not pray for this nation anymore. It has crossed the point of no return. It will never be the same again. I lost more friends on that one. So I stopped praying for the nation, but I loved it when I heard other people pray, and I would never come against it. It wasn't a pride issue, me against you. It was that these were my instructions. I have waited for 19 years to see if America would ever go back, and rather than going back, it got worse and worse and worse, and it's drifted further and further and further away from the true and living God. The church is confused right now. 2020 shut down this whole world. And the churches in America shut down with it. We did not shut down because my people, the people that God entrusted us to serve, they would have shot me if I would have shut that church down. Because that's just not who we are. We weren't going to do that. So <clears throat> these things are real, though. 2020 was real. We saw burning buildings. We saw houses on fire. We saw people that labored their whole life lose their businesses. We saw violence. We saw evil, bad, really bad stuff. We watched it. No prophetic word was out there. Peace and safety, all is well. It's going to be great again. And I, I watched and I listened and I said to these prophets that were prophesying peace and safety to this nation that has sinned so grievously against the Lord. How could you do that? And how can the people of God get on that bandwagon and start jumping up and down and singing hallelujah to that message when that's not the reality of what's happening in our world today, that is not the reality. That promise of God's good blessing belongs to the body of Christ. It belongs to the house of God. And we're giving this to a nation that openly rejects and blasphemes the living God. And that is wrong. We are not here to give the blessing of the Lord to the world. If they want it, they need to receive it and come and receive it for themselves. But we don't keep blessing America. And they got all these strange doctors out there, and I I'm sorry, I'm just kind of worn out some things before we get going, okay? So, I can hear my wife right now. She said, Vincent, calm down. Vincent, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great. Okay. You hear that thing? <laughs> so, we're witnessing a dismantling right now. You're, you're witnessing the intelligence of God saying to this nation, so, you wanted to blaspheme me out of Hollywood. You wanted, you wanted to put reproach on my son. Church sat back and you actually engaged by watching it. The church in America is a very sick church. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me in real life, real time. It was a beautiful afternoon, Rancho Bernardo, San Diego, California, about one o'clock in the afternoon. I was out there, I was driving home, was getting ready to go home. Beautiful, gorgeous day. I make a, a right hand turn to go Bernardo Heights Parkway, I'm getting ready to turn left, and I notice a scene. A little old man and a little old lady standing outside their car, holding on to each other for dear life. About 100 yards down the road, a man laying in the, in the middle of the road. It was on a 10-speed bicycle. Obviously, this couple hit him. He fit, and he hit the concrete. When I walked over there, his leg was wrapped around his neck. His head was pumping out so much blood. I didn't know a head could pump out that kind of blood. I didn't know what to do. I took off my shirt. I wrapped it around his head and started praying. 
and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, while this is all going on, the man starts yelling at me. He starts yelling, get away from me, get away from me, i got to go. And I knew he was in shock. And so I, he got so belligerent, I said, all right, get up, go. And of course he couldn't go. A little bit later, the ambulance came. Somebody had finally called an ambulance. The ambulance picked him up. I got in the car, and I slammed my hand on the desk. So why did I have to see that? Why did I have to see that? I didn't want to see that. And God spoke as clearly as you're in my voice. He said, Vincent, this is the true condition of my church. They are in shock. They have been torn. They have been ripped. They have been, so many things have happened to the body of Christ. He said, they're in shock. I want you to minister to them. I want you to wake them up. I want you to bring them out of shock. And I want you to begin to administer real restoration, not a false anointing. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth of their condition. Come on, folks, we've got, what, 4,000 different denominations? we got churches battling over everything. I finally thought I found one thing that nobody could argue about. If you say, they say tomato. You say potato. They say potato. There's a different voice for everything. I finally thought, wow, Lord, there's only one place where we could unite, and it's around the cross. So, Lord, let's let us preach the cross. And some guy came up and goes, it wasn't a cross. It was a tree. So, oh, gosh, we can argue about that. Too. <laughs> See, but this is the condition of the church. Amen. People are hurting. People are broken. People are sick. Now, there are those who are getting in on the restoration. We're going to talk about that later the other side. And that restoration is real. Yeah. So what are we looking at right now? A major birth bang is coming on this earth. And God's about to release it. And there's going to be a wailing cry through the streets of this nation and around the world. You know, we see right now what's going on with Israel and Iran. We see what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. At least we think we see it. Right. But there's so much deception right now because Jesus said what in the last days? Deception would be the number one thing. And I think the very best of us, the very best, are doing the best we can to keep our head above perdition that's drowning people all over the world. The God of this world is blinding the minds of the masses. Yeah. All right, so we got that out of the way. You know, God apprehended a man by the name of Jeremiah. We love Jeremiah the prophet, right? He's a young man. God arrested him. And God said to him, you're going to speak my words. And you're going to speak them faithfully. And if you don't, I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. And Jeremiah went out to speak the words of God, and he was the weeping prophet because he heard things he didn't want to hear. But nobody saw him behind closed doors. But there he was doing it. In his day, the false prophets, the priests, the kings, all the people, they hated him. They hated that man so much, they wanted him in a dungeon. They wanted to feed him the bread of affliction. They didn't want his voice heard. They wanted him to go somewhere else and get out of the way. That's where we are in America today. The church in America, in general, does not want to hear the truth. And what is that truth? You're about to enter into the greatest tribulation to have ever hit the face of the earth. And unfortunately, I'm just going to say it hard and then we can talk about it. If you're waiting for a pre-tribulation escape rapture to get you out of here, 
you're really not thinking properly because that doctrine does not exist in the Word of God. That is not in the Bible. People say it is, but when you go to where they say it is, it's not there. Okay, so, and I'm not trying to build up myself by putting others down. I'm just saying, that's not real. That's not healthy. You've got millions of people in this church in America believing any day now, we're out of here. And they don't know that any day now, the persecution is about to begin. And the nightmare that you know is coming, but you think you're gone, you're going to be in the midst of. Because a once saved, always saved doctrine has deceived your heart, and you have not walked in the fear of the Lord. You are not walking in personal holiness. You're not walking in a condition that you could be anywhere in the world. Nobody knows what you're doing, but you're walking with God. So the church is needing some cleaning up. There's some refining that needs to happen. We have a world out there that we want to save, but the church isn't saved. That's right. That's right. There's an ecclesia, some called out ones. That's the real meaning of the word church. The called out ones, they're going through a process of discipline. They're being disciplined by the Father. They are being broken. They're being healed. Is this true? Are we on the same page? Yes. Okay, so so we already know it, right? I was walking around today. I said, Lord, you know, I want the rain to come. I want rain to come because I'm walking on dust. And I'm crackling. I'm hearing this grass break. And these cows are looking at me. And I'm looking at them. I'm thinking, Lord, they need rain. I want rain to come. But do you know, when a state or a city who worships Satan, and when judgment comes, the curse hits the land. And there would have to be a reviving, a turning to bring it. And Elijah says, three and a half years, you're getting no rain. And not until there was a measure of repentance. And I don't you know I was the one that measures repentance, not me, not us. We're not going to condemn anybody, and I hope this message doesn't come across as condemning or finger-pointing or self-righteous or holier-than-thou. You know, you and I probably, when nobody sees us, we're weeping at different times, and then we're just living, and then we're going through. But I determine this moment as a pioneer. I know I'm a pioneer, and that means I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle for America having built uh, or, or anybody come to presidency. Donald Trump, I voted for him. I would have stood in war with him. I went to Washington, D.C. on uh, January 6th. My birthday was January 5th. I was climbing trees. I was taking pictures, and I am not ashamed of that. I didn't go there and set a car on fire, break a window, burn a building, hurt anybody. I was with about a million people that were having a family picnic, for goodness sake, except for a few things that went up on top. But I was there. That's not a problem for me. I want to see... Things I, I went behind, I voted for the president. I was refreshed by his presidency. I love what he did. I have a lot, a lot of friends. Man, he just should have shut his mouth. I said no, he should because my prayer was for a Jehu. I was praying that there were four anointings that would break the yoke off this nation. The first anointing that I preached on was Phineas. Everybody knew Phineas. He was the guy that when Israel was dying of their plague, 
Remember, 23,000 dead in the camp. Moses is over here with Aaron. They're all weeping. The elders go, we don't know what's going on. Over here comes an Israeli man with a Midianite woman. That was the sin of the nation. And he took that Midianite woman in front of everybody, walked right into his tent. Phineas was sitting down. And something happened to him. He didn't ask for permission from anybody. He took a javelin. He got up. He went into the tent. And he thrust it through the Midianite woman and the Israeli man. And God said, I will bless the house of Phineas forever. And the plague stopped because of what he did. I said, we need a Phineas anointing in the United States of America. Spiritual. My wife always says, make sure you tell them, don't go pick up a javelin and kill anybody. So it's a spiritual javelin that we need to pierce to the sin of what's going on in our nation. Then I said, the next anointing, we needed, we needed Elisha anointing, no doubt. He's going to contend with the powers of darkness, with the princes of Baal, with Jezebel. We need to have this anointing as well. And then there was this Jehu anointed. And Jehu, he dealt with Jezebel. And we all know that Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel, is operating over our nation. And we know that there are people in the church like the Israelites that were under the spell. And the church has got to wake up from the spell. And so we're here and we're saying, okay, what's our part? What are we doing, Lord? What are we witnessing? And here's what he says. <laughs> Your country's going to collapse. <laughs> Donald Trump's not going to come back and save the day. You better put your hope in something better than that. You need to put your hope in something way beyond Donald Trump. I love Donald Trump. I hope he wins. I think it's right. But the same people that said he was going to win this election are saying he's coming back. But they've never repented of the things they said that didn't come to pass. I've been wrong before. I've had to, for five years, for one incident, for five years, I've walked with a limp because that's how serious this ministry is, not just saying things. And what I said happened on television. I mean, every word was on television, but it didn't actually happen. I picked something up, and I've walked for a limp for five years. I was ready to quit the ministry. I was ready to shut down everything. And, I, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people kept encouraging me, don't stop doing what you're doing, keep going. And I walked for five years broken over something that I missed. And yet I saw all these men come up, and, and you hear every one of them saying, this is going to be it, and everybody getting behind it. And I heard one man, by the name of Jeremiah Johnson, the only person I know, I don't know the man, but he came up and said, I blew it. I missed it. I said, well, praise God. You'll, you'll have opportunity for God to work with him later when he's walked through this thing. So my hope and your hope should not be in any man. It should not be in this government. Right. And That's if you're trying thing. to save this nation, right. you could have all the prayer meetings you want at this point, but I hear the Spirit of the Lord said, America has crossed the point of no return. It is going to collapse. That's a hard word. I love my life. I love where I live. I love my wife. I love my family. I love being a pastor. I love the house I live in. I love the little bit of land that we have been granted by God to have. I love my life. But God led me and my family out of San Diego 13 years ago. And through a supernatural work, he brought to my heart my understanding to go to Northwest Arkansas. When we were to move there. I'd never been there before. And I'll, I'll share that story with you if you like. It's a nicer story than what we're 
Do you know every abortion that was committed in this land, we talked about this, was a blood sacrifice to demonic spirits in high places? You do know that. I mean, we're not making that up. You go back to the Valley of Hinnom, you go back to the book of Jeremiah, you go back to Israel, they were giving their babies to Abraham. So the mass murder of innocent life, from God's perspective, I don't care about the science on this one, I'm taking God's perspective. He said life is in the blood. And so when this mass murder began in this country and people got involved in it, what they didn't know is behind the scenes that the powers of darkness that legislated this were now fueling and strengthening the satanic. You ask, how did we get from the 1950s to where we are today? How in one generation does a nation go from being the heroes of the world the laughing stock of nations today. Every time that man speaks from behind that pole, they're called president. The world laughs. It's the saddest story you've ever seen in your life. I have compassion, but I don't know what kind of compassion it is because I know that there are some very strange things going on behind the scenes with that man in this administration. But all these years of blood sacrifices, and now it was threatened. And the moment it was threatened to go back to the states, because that would put an end to a lot of it, the federal law would end. The federal government would no longer. That's what they're working towards. And this is part of the violence, the summer of violence that is about to happen in this country again. I know the churches, people are going to pray. I know there's going to be worship. I know there's going to be all that. But there's been all that all the way along. And something right now is going to change everything. And the Roe versus Wade issue in the spiritual realm is releasing a lot of demonic stuff. And that's why you saw the killing in Buffalo. That's why you saw the killing in Uvalde. There's something here to take away the guns of America. There's all the horizontal, earthly, political things, which I'm not nearly as interested in as what's going on in the heavens. But this is what God is saying from the heavens. I'm giving you time to repent you're not repenting. The blasphemy is getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and the evil is getting the same way. So do I relish in that? Do I glorify that? No, not at all. That word in, uh, I thought this was interesting, in Psalm chapter 2, they come, they, they want to let, let us break their bands. The word band is the most there, and it means the chest had a halter and a restraint. So what the church has been for a period of time, what righteousness has been, has been is a restraint. Yeah. And what the world is doing right now, and the kings of the earth and the rulers of the world are doing right now, is they're saying, we want to break that restraint. We're going to get this whole thing out of the way. I believe 2020 was an intended, this is my, my understanding, it was intended, it was to shut the world down, to send in the engineers, to set in place the final components to bring the whole new world order online. And the only way to bring in the new world order that Klaus Schwab and everybody's talking about right now is you have to break the old order of things. But I believe what we're going to see in the days ahead 
is that we will see nuclear war. There will be 7 to 15 nuclear weapons detonated in 7 to 15 major cities across the United States of America on the same day. I believe that day is coming. I believe there will be a great strike against the heart of the United States, and that heart attack is going to cause all systems to shut down. I do believe that there will be an electromagnetic pulse that will cause this nation to go dark, and people will be starved to death. And I believe under the layer of every man and woman's skin is a layer called panic. And I believe because the church is not sanctified, the church has been in fairy tales and dreams, they have not been preparing. And you can say this message in our ecclesia, you won't get a blank. Nobody gets nervous, nobody, they, they just go, that's the word, that's the word, that's the word. And we have been preparing for what is coming. And while people were laughing at the beginning about our preparation, then all of a sudden nobody can get toilet paper. We have toilet paper. We had everything we needed. We have everything we need. If everything shut down today, to get back to where God called us to, we're prepared. And it's not that our faith is in our preparation. It is not. Our faith is in God. But as Jim brought up last night, Noah had faith in God too. And what Noah feared was not what was coming. It was what God was saying. And through his reverential respect, he did what God told him to do. Because they're out of here in the twinkling of an eye. But they're prematureness. And I'd like to walk through some of the scripture, if that's okay. How many of you have ever heard of the preacher of the doctrine that it is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Do we need to go there, or do you guys already understand that? It's not. <laughs> Want to look through it? Let's go look through it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, this is what everybody said. This is where the secret pre-trib rapture happens. This is it. Well, verse 13 says it this way. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So don't you be sad if your loved one died believing in Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So is that about a rapture? What is that about? The resurrection, right? And he goes on in verse 15 and says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, now, you wonder where Paul was drawing this from. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. That doesn't sound like a secret preacher of rapture to me. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Where do you get a secret preacher rapture doctrine out of that? That we're going to be here before the Antichrist comes. When does Yeshua return? Before the Antichrist comes or after? Well, he gets his own words. He tells us. Let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. 
Now remember, uh, we said earlier, balance is the key to everything. Well, we're creating a very dark picture of what's coming on this earth. There is an answer to those who truly love God. And it's not a shallow answer. It is an answer that has depth to get into the core and to strengthen the believer, to let them know that they are walking in authority upon this earth. But it's not the kind of authority that we think of right now in a horizontal way about governments and elected officials. It's a, it's a, a kind of authority that's going to march through this earth that the things that are going on, we're realizing these things that are coming down are not necessarily in the first place against us. You're witnessing a dismantling God. God is dismantling the nations. And that's in Zephaniah. He's dismantling the nations. Now the nations will understand when things really begin to come hard, this war that is coming that promises to take a lot of people off the earth. Out of that war, out of that tragedy, just like out of World War II came a new world order, out of this next war that's coming, another new world order is going to rise. This will be the order of the Antichrist. This will be the time of great tribulation. This war is only another sign leading up to the greatest tribulation, Jesus said, that has never been before and will never be again. And you can't look back in history and say, well, 70 AD was the great tribulation Jesus was talking about. No, because what happened in 